From the Financial Times in London, I'm Jonathan Wheatley and this is FT News. There has been outrage in Venezuela and outside the country this week at news that Goldman Sachs Asset Management has paid $865 million to the government in Caracas for bonds issued in 2014 by PDVSA, the Venezuelan state oil company. Opposition leaders have accused Goldman Sachs of making a quick buck on the suffering of the Venezuelan people, who've been risking their lives by taking to the streets in their tens of thousands over the past couple of months demonstrating against shortages of food and medicines and the country's almost complete economic and social collapse. Gideon Long, the FT's Andean correspondent, was in Caracas this week and joined us down the line from Bogota. And from New York, we're joined by Robin Wigglesworth, our US markets editor. Gideon, coming to you first, could you tell us a bit about the reaction to this deal in Venezuela? Yeah, well, as you say, I was in Caracas at the weekend. and The reaction on the street at the time was fairly mute. I think it's fair to say that most Venezuelans have more pressing concerns at the moment, trying to put food on their tables and protesting against the government. They've been out on the streets doing that in force for the past two months. But it did cause waves among Venezuela's educated elite. And two people in particular stood out for their criticism of the deal. The first is Julio Borges. He's the head of the National Assembly the Venezuelan parliament, and he's a key opposition figure. And he immediately sent a letter to the CEO of Goldman Sachs complaining that the bank was basically making money from the misery of the Venezuelan people. And he said, we won't forget this. We will remember Goldman Sachs' actions once we're in power. We won't forgive them. And the other senior figure to criticize the deal was Ricardo Hausman, a former Venezuelan minister. He's now a senior economist at Harvard. He described Goldman Sachs' actions as criminal and immoral, and he said that the FBI should investigate them. And he also urged JP Morgan to remove Venezuelan debt from their EMBI plus emerging markets index so that people can't invest in Venezuelan debt. They were the two biggest reactions to the deal. Why is the government so determined to go on paying its debts to bondholders when there are such shortages in the country? Does it have the money to keep those payments going? Well, it's a very good question as to why they are still paying their debts. It's one of the great mysteries of the Venezuelan situation. That despite all their difficulties, all the turmoil on the streets, it hasn't defaulted yet. For the next few months, I would say the government is probably fine. It has no big capital repayments due until October, November, and it can easily meet the interest payments that it has due. The big challenge will come in October and November when both PDVSA, the state oil company, and the state itself are due to make capital and interest repayments of about $3.3 billion. At the moment, the country has foreign reserves of around $10 billion, so it should, in theory, be able to meet those payments But October and November feel a long way off at the moment in this very fluid situation in Venezuela. Making those payments, is that a matter of survival for the government? Do they think default would bring it down? And as you said just now, the opposition has said that when they come to power, they went on with these bonds. I mean, do they think that's going to happen soon? Do you think it is? I think the government seems to think that there is a serious threat from default. And you can see that in its actions over the past couple of years. It's always made those repayments. In terms of the opposition taking power... Is that likely to happen soon? It's very difficult to predict. But let's just look at the timetable. The next big challenge for the Maduro government comes in July when he is vowed to set up a constitutional assembly, which in theory could rewrite the constitution and allow him to stay in power indefinitely. If he manages to pull that off, then I would say that he could be in power for months, if not years. But there are so many ifs and buts in the situation. Will these protests that have been going on for two months now, will they continue or will they fizzle out as previous protests have done? 
is there still room in Venezuela for a negotiated settlement which would involve other countries in Latin America? Will the state default on its debt? As I say, that's unlikely and certainly until uh, October and November. And I think probably the most crucially, will the armed forces continue to stand by the Maduro government? If I had to predict now, I would say that Maduro will be in power quite probably into next year when Venezuela is supposed to hold presidential elections. But we've seen from the past, Eastern Europe in 1989, for example, that even with regimes that have been in power for a long time, once they start to unravel, they can unravel very quickly. Indeed. Okay, Robin, coming to you, from the investment point of view, people buy bonds all the time from all kinds of questionable places and people are buying Venezuelan oil every day. Has Goldman Sachs actually done anything wrong? That's a good point. I mean, it's important to note that this is actually Goldman Sachs Asset Management, which is the sort of investment arm of the bank. So they manage money for pension funds, insurance companies, wealthy individuals, sovereign wealth funds, you know, maybe even one of us has some money in one of these funds. And it's GSAM that bought this debt. And they probably thought they weren't doing anything particularly wrong. You know, that Goldman Sachs Asset Management already owns at least $200 million worth of Venezuelan debt in PDVSA, the oil company and the, the government itself, that I've found. And these things trade all the time. The crucial issue here seems to be that they indirectly bought these bonds from the central bank. And that means it's not money going from Goldman Sachs to another asset management like PIMCO or BlackRock or Fidelity and they get bonds and returns. This is money going from Goldman Sachs asset management to the government. And that is why this has caused such uproar, that, that it looks like it is essentially giving a financial lifeline to a government that many people think is increasingly autocratic and dictatorial. And I saw there was a report today that they're not the only ones that Nomura was involved in part of this trade as well. Who else is in there? Who else owns these type of bonds? Well, pretty much everyone. Venezuela is quite a big component to these bond market benchmarks that people use to measure their performance against. That means a lot of people are incentivized to buy them. And that's one of the things that Ricardo Hausman wants to end. He wants these more autocratic governments, including Venezuela, or especially Venezuela, kicked out of these indices. But because of Venezuela's presence in there, and because it is a very high-yielding, high-interest-rate country, in those indices, it means a lot of people bought these bonds. So there's PIMCO, Fidelity, T. Rowe, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan Asset Management has also bought them. There are a lot of big, fairly standard, mundane mutual funds that have bought Venezuelan bonds. Many of them have been buying or selling and trading, all in the expectation that Venezuela is going to default tomorrow or is going to be able to totter on for much longer. The prices on those bonds still indicate that people widely expect a debt restructuring at some point, though. Goldman Sachs saw an opportunity to buy a big chunk of debt at an even steeper discount than what they're trading at in the secondary market. So what's the investment case? What kind of a bet is it that people are making? Well, investors like to say, or some of us like to say, there are no bad assets, there are any bad prices. There are some things that go to zero, but especially bonds tend to yield some recoveries even when there is a debt restructuring. People have actually made a lot of money out of Venezuela already because the government has proven almost perversely keen to service its debts. People have been expecting a debt restructuring for many years now, certainly after the oil price crash in 2014. The thing is, even if Venezuela restructures its debts and takes a chainsaw to its creditors, let's say if it only pays back half the value of what it owes, if Goldman Sachs or any other investor has bought these at 20 or 30 or 40 cents on the dollar, they can still make money. I mean, my back of the envelope calculations is that if Venezuela imposes a 50% haircut on the value of its debt, 
if Goldman Sachs bought it at the indicated 30 cents on the dollar, they could still pocket $500 million out of this trade. Now, that has a lot of assumptions underpinning it, such as, you know, them not making any coupons that Venezuela will default soon, and the fact that the restructuring will be fairly quick. Those are big assumptions, but it shows just how profitable it can be to buy things that are going sour, but not quite as bad as the prices indicate. And Robin, finally, do you think investors are going to be swayed by the opposition from the opposition? I think people are going to be very touched about this. Venezuela is very clearly in a very precarious social and economic situation. And nobody likes to be called a vulture investor. And these bonds have been termed hunger bonds by the opposition. And a smart PR move to show just how bad the situation is there. I think people are going to be very wary about selling these debts because they'd have to sell at such a big discount that they're going to lose money. But I think most investors are keen for Venezuela to bite the bullet, default and restructure, even if it hits their bonds. And that's what investors are mostly hoping for. And then hoping that they can move on with not too big a haircut that still gives some debt relief to ordinary Venezuelans who are struggling quite badly right now. Lots to keep an eye on. Robin, Gideon, thanks very much. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.